On today's Question of Faith, what's one way to live out a Eucharistic life besides going to Mass or doing adoration? This is Question of Faith. I am Mike Hayes. I'm the Young Adult Ministry Director in the Diocese. And I'm Father Damien Ferenc, the Vicar for Evangelization. And I'm Christy Cabanis, Director of Missionary Discipleship. Hey, everybody. Hello. Welcome back, Christy. Thanks for having me. Always good to see you. And so this question came in the other day. So someone said, you know, they go to Mass a lot. They go to Adoration a lot. But they said, you know, well, you know like, what else you got? You know, how do right. I live a Eucharistic life outside of all that? So what are we thinking? Well, we're supposed to become what we receive, and at Mass, we receive Jesus, his body, blood, soul, divinity, and of course, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, and he connects us to the Father and the Son, so we are receiving love, so our lives should reflect that, in that we are pouring out our lives in love everywhere we go and to everyone we meet, so it can look um, different according to your state in life and who you are and what you do. I think there's a variety of ways to live Eucharistically. We actually read um, Tim O'Malley from uh, Notre Dame wrote a book on living as a Eucharistic people. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of ideas around this table today. Yeah. What do you got? Well, I, I just thought that that was a funny thing to say is like, I, what, el- what, other, what other ways do you live a Eucharistic life? Only just because exactly what you just said, FD, like they, you're – we're receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus into our body, into our bodies. And so we are to become that which we receive. I also, just for backup, pulled uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church because I'm a research person. And whenever I want, like, not just what Christie thinks about things, but, like, what does the church say about it? Um, in 1397, it says that the Eucharist commits us to the poor. So when we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, we should be more committed to the poor, which means that all of the service that we do should be in the name of Jesus Christ and as his hands and feet in the world. And so that is a way to live a Eucharistic life, is to be in service to the poor and to others. And Pope Francis would remind us that there's different types of poverty. There's material poverty, spiritual poverty, psychological poverty, um, God poverty, which is spiritual poverty, I Mm. suppose, too. Um, at the end of every Mass, once we have, well, we recognize we're sinners and we receive the Lord in his, in his word and then his body, blood, soul, divinity, he's also present to us and the minister and in all those gathered. Then at the end of Mass, we are told, well, there's four dismissals. They all begin with the exact same word. The word is go. So we are formed and then we are sent on mission. So part of being a Eucharistic person is to be out in the world on mission, to be salt, to be light, to be leaven, uh, to be a missionary disciple or a Eucharistic missionary disciple, making God's presence known in places that only you can go. Absolutely. So in the grocery store and with your family and friends and Lord help us all in the parking lot of the church right before we (laughs) head out for our week even. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it was funny. uh, Father Koopman relayed this story to us in class the other day. He was saying that uh, a priest friend of his went to be with Mother Teresa's sisters in, in India when Mother was still alive, right? Mm. St. Saint Ther- Saint Teresa of Calcutta now. And um, one of the things that he said that um, during his homily, he said, well, you know, we're, we're all here. And, you know, there were a bunch of people there with him on this mission trip. And he said, you know, we're all here, and we're going to be the body of Christ for people out in the world. Well, true enough, right? But... 
He got a little knock on his door later on, and here's Mother Teresa standing in the sacristy, and she said, uh, Father, with all due respect, those people that you're serving, they are Jesus. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that you are going to meet Christ in today. You are not the Savior for all of those people. In fact, you're not going to save any of them. They're all going to die. Yeah. And she said, the encounter that you're supposed to have is with the body of Christ that stands before you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I was that's like, a good one. That's a good one. And, and I think that's, you know, I, I know that when you know, I've been to Central America a bunch of times, and that was certainly my experience, you know, is that the folks that were there um, gave much more to me than I gave to them. Like they were there to be Christ for me and someone to w- awaken me in a new year, a, a Eucharistic way. Yeah. You know, where, where I was moved to Thanksgiving and also moved to, to see the body of Christ broken before me so that I would be changed. But I would, I mean, I would argue to say that that's yeah. something that's even hinted at in the catechism because it tells us, too, that the reception of the Eucharist should strengthen the charity that's already been founded in our lives and our baptism. So Correct. that recognition, you also then are, have the eyes of Christ to see Christ in the world. So the the sense of the kindness and the love that we're showing to even a stranger is that which we're asked to encounter as Jesus as other. Um, I think that that was the point that they were trying to make. Yeah, and my point is that it's symbiotic, right? Yes. So that we, we come Hold into and. the church to be changed so that we can go forth <laughs> and continue to be changed. <laughs> and continue to be changed. Yeah. That's, That's right. right. There's a lot of changing going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the things I like to say in my preaching, my Eucharistic preaching, is that if the only thing that changes at Mass is the bread and wine, then we're missing it. Oh. Because the, the, the whole reason that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ is for us so that we can receive him and be transformed, be changed, so that we can be sent out into the world and transform and change. And co- I mean, th- this is the, the Second Vatican Council talks about the mission of the laity. If the job of the priest at Mass is to consecrate the bread and wine, then the job of the laity is to consecrate the world. Right. And those pockets of the world where only you live, move, and have your being. And I've also been thinking a lot about this. Like, I think a lot about God's non-competitive nature, meaning mm. that he is not out to get us. Uh, there's nothing that that he would hold back from us because he's complete love and he gives us his only son. So away from any thoughts, and sin does this. It makes us think God's out to get us or competing with us. Um, but he's not in competition with us. And in the same way, when we're given those images in the scriptures of being salt and light mm. and leaven, they're also non-competitive. Mm. So what does oh, salt do? Yeah. You got a I don't know, some soup, and the soup's all right, but it needs some flavor. So you salt it. So it's not destroying what's there. It's enhancing what's there. And the same is true with the light. Like, there's something, but no one can see it. So you have to shine light on it and bring light maybe to a place that's wounded. And now that you can Mm. see it, it can then heal. And the same is true with leaven or yeast, that it's not destroying what's there, but when it's added to what's there, it's allowing it to be more of what it is. So I, I, I really love that. I think it's a very Catholic principle. Uh, the salt, light, and leaven is non-competitive in nature in the same way that God is non-competitive with us. He comes in to win our hearts over. He doesn't come to, to destroy us. Yes, he wants the old self to die, but he's allowing us to really live in being in communion and union with him. And so much of 
that, that is Eucharistic um, spirituality and theology, you know, allowing the Lord to live in me to be, to, like, right at that, what's that point at the Mass where I can only do it in Mass, but let's see if I can do it. So when the, <laughs> Mike, you better be able to do this because soon you sure. will, God willing, you're a deacon. So when the priest or deacon takes ah. the water and he pours it into the chalice of wine, by the mystery of this water and wine, when we come to share in the, in the divinity of Christ who humbles himself to share in our humanity. So it's his divinity who's sharing in our humanity, not abolishing our humanity, but, but mingling with it, yeah. right, yeah. in the incarnation. And so that same principle is at play. Once we've received Jesus in the Eucharist then we're sent out, we're supposed to be living Eucharistically out in the world. When, and also, so then I want to add to that to say that we act as if we believe that that were true. Because I think that uh, one of the things that happens with folks is, oh, yeah, 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 Father Damien, that's so true for you. Or the, the deacon, it's true for them. Or the, the parish leader that you know, you're thinking, oh, for them. No, for every single one of us, that is true and that we all have work to do in the world so by your voting by your service in your local food bank or shelter or um, taking care of the planet and recycling to um, you know to like I said before even within your own homes and families to be the person that could try to work towards healing if there's a rift or understanding for somebody when they wrong you or do something incorrectly. Yeah. And also even in these um, volunteer roles that you might find in your local parish, because I, I've talked to a lot of parish leaders and that's a struggle for folks. We ought to live as if this were true. And I know that sounds silly to say out loud, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say it because I see a lot of folks that um, they pray well, they live, you know, they live the, the, the precepts of the church in their lives and the commandments and that sort of thing. But then they don't turn and share that in any other way beyond the walls of their parish. And that's Eucharistic living as well as to go out into the world and be the lady that is necessity for the world. The opposite would be hoarding, right? Yeah. You you, you hoard Jesus for yourself and Mm. and for no one else. You know, I I got Jesus. I came to receive, I I came to get communion. How many times we hear people say that, right? Yes. I had to get communion today. No, no, you received communion (laughs) today. And so you can go forth from this place as someone different from when you came in. Bishop Woost says that a lot. He says, if, if we're not changed at every Eucharist, then... We should start talking to ourselves. Well, yeah, and talk to, yeah. Um, yeah, and talk to God, too. But, right? Yeah, <laughs> Bishop Woost also likes to say that we're living tabernacles yes. once we've received communion. So you are, you know, there's one of the songs um, that a few parishes will sing in some youth groups, like, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, mm-hmm. pure and holy, so that I'm going to now receive God within me, and then I'm going to go out to the world and then bring God's presence there wherever I go. So that, yeah, sometimes that's that part's forgotten, but that's a very important part of living Eucharistically, and then realizing that you got to go back and receive again, so and then you go out again, and you come, It's that's the cycle. Yeah, the right? feeling of the charity and the love and the unity all come back again yeah. when we're revived back in the Eucharist. That's right, yeah. And we go forth... Yeah, we, we, we go forth changed. And then, you know, I always say, like, it, it works both ways all the time, right? You know, yeah. like, when, when uh, I, I wrote this somewhere, I forget, that was probably one of the reflections I had to do for, for class. I said, you know, I said, when, when I go out and I, I meet Jesus in someone else, 
you know, I that's that's the body of Christ changing me in some way, and 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 then I go then I, and when I go back to church then to offer worship, I am changed by the, by that experience as well. But I'm but as I'm entering in, I've been changed by what happened outside the, the church door, so that I can give thanks to God yeah. for those moments. Yeah. yeah, the body of Christ feeds the body of Christ mm. with the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Very nice. That's right. What's that. Absolutely, 100%. Beautiful. Yeah. And so the answer to our person's question is anything. <gasps> mm, anything done with charity yeah, and intention. Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So not sin. Sin right. is definitely <laughs> not living a Eucharistic life. <laughs> well, yeah. So Christy Cavendish for 500, ladies and gentlemen. It's true. But if you sin, then there's another great sacrament for that, sacrament of reconciliation. Right. And God will bestow his graces, his forgiveness upon you. And then feed you with the Eucharist again. And that's the, the beauty. Our Lord is very merciful. So um, confession is a sacrament of mercy, but so is the Eucharist. I mean, even we even say, and there was, to, uh, well, today's reading, we're recording this a day in advance, but Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Mm. Not worthy, but you make me worthy. You make mm. me worthy. That's right. Just say the word. Perfect. Yeah. And so you had uh, quite a time the other day at the, uh, with the Asian community, correct? Yeah, Asian yeah. Catholic Ministries. This was our first time since I've been in this role uh, that we've gathered, and the first time since COVID that the Asian community in Cleveland has gathered. So we were out at St. Clarence. I want to say the Mass had seven different languages. Wow. Um, it was a beautiful gathering, a little over 200 people, I think. We brought in Father uh, Bin Nguyen, uh, who's a Vietnamese-American from... Uh, St. Louis. He's a pastor there, and he gave a, we prayed midday prayer. He gave a talk on the Eucharist, and then we um, celebrated Mass with a exposition and benediction at the end, and then a little reception after. And it was wonderful out at St. Clarence in North Olmsted. Father Ben Wynn needs a podcast. That's a great, that's a great he, radio. He may have one. I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's kind of a well-known guy, I suppose. So... That's great. And so you were at St. Clarence, and I know you had been there many times before, but can you tell us a little bit about that parish? Yeah, so it's a, it's a more modern parish. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no school attached. Right. It's, it's a large place, which is, I think, one of the reasons that the Asian community likes it, um, and conducive to really good. Well, the singing yesterday was outstanding. Father Neil Kakuthi there is the pastor he was ordained in 95, so we were together for one year in the seminary. My first year at Borromeo was his last year at St. Mary's. Um, they also do a lot of outreach with prison ministry. I was going to say, he's a big prison ministry yeah. guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I interviewed him for uh, a week for life one year, and that was one of the areas we were looking at was, was uh, restorative justice. With the, with, and he has got, he's got amazing stories from his time as prison minister. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Yeah. He was also a lawyer and a nurse before he oh, went to the right. seminary. Wow. So a very accomplished man. Absolutely. And then uh, our readings for the second Sunday of Advent this week. Uh, this is from the Gospel. As is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. Sort of a Eucharistic message in a way. I think you so. have to prepare, prepare the way of the Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think uh, anything that comes from John the Baptist, a total crazy guy, is 
uh, you know, we, we ought to pay attention. But I wanted to point out, too, in this whole I'm not worthy, John the Baptist, guys, John the Baptist said he's not worthy to loosen the strap of Jesus' sandal, and yet he was the one that baptized him and uh, encouraged other people to change their ways of life. So that we'll hear from him this weekend. He's a saint. We, all know, we all know his name. <laughs> Since we're all Gen Xers here, do you all remember the Dukes of Hazard show? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so I think of the theme, straighten the curves, flatten the hills, someday the mountains might get them, but the law never will. I always think that about making, I know, making straight the paths and how important that is that um, I, the Lord does that, but we have to do our part in helping mm. him too, like, in like letting the Lord into our lives where there's all sorts of, um, you know, twists and turns saying, Lord Jesus, come on in. So I'm, I'm going to do my part. To, I mean, he's, he's the initiator. He's the one who comes in to heal. But our part of responding to his initiation or his revelation is an important part too. So somehow, I mean, it's, it's still early in the week and I haven't put my homily together, but I, I like those images. But, you know, um, road construction is always uncomfortable, so... It is. And now you're here in Cleveland where we have lots of potholes and lots of construction. So. Two seasons in Cleveland, right? Summer and road construction. And look, I, I lived 11 years in Buffalo. You're got, you guys are good. I was <laughs> going to say, I Cleveland feel like compared to the fine. Pittsburgh area, this yeah. is way better. Also true. Yeah. I can attest, Roman roads are constantly under construction as well. <laughs> yeah, so this right. is nothing new. Nothing reason. new. Yeah, exactly. And they replace with cobblestone by oh, hand. Oh, my gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the traffic lights are just a suggestion in Rome, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know. The tra- if you hit someone with your car, you lose your license for life. Oh, wow. I do wow. know that, so they're very careful. But you can cross, as a pedestrian, you always have the right of way. And so even if the, you didn't get the light, you just go in the crosswalk. And they'll, they don't want you to stop. They'll honk if you stop because they'll dance around you with their car. It's, it's kind of a beautiful I, I thing. I think in the United States, pedestrians also always have the right of way. It's just that we don't <laughs> yield to them. So Even if... They're, if they're in a crosswalk, they have the right of way. Even if it's, it's a like red a bicycle. Light? It's like a bicycle. Really? Yeah. I'll have to look at Yield. the notes. I didn't do research. Can I confess something about this? You, I don't know. So one day I was, I was standing in New York. You never wait on the curb, right? And so I, I think it was about 22 or so. And I step out into the street, and there's this guy who's, like, parking his car near me, Right. And the guy hit me with the front of his car. Like, as he was backing in, he kind of swiped me, and, like, his wheel hit me. And I was like, dude, like, you just hit me. And he says, get the heck out of the street then, man. And I looked at him and three other people at the same time all said in unison, the pedestrian has the right of way. <laughs> Always. We just don't yield. <laughs> but it was funny. We didn't get into a fight. I thought he was going to step out of his car. but That he, would scare me. He did not. So thank God. <laughs> me and my big mouth sometimes. Anyway, Christy, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Come Happy, back again soon. Sure. Happy Advent. So this has been Question of Faith. I'm Mike Hayes. He's Father Damien Ferentz, and she's Christy Cavanaugh. You never uh, make us do that. <laughs> I was going to just never, say that's, you've never, new. that's only that at the beginning. <laughs> that's only at the beginning. You didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> Cameras threw them off. <laughs> it is. I'm trying to control the cameras. Now. Okay. Uh, Save that. That's funny. That is funny. Well, that'll be yeah. the promo. <laughs> so we'll have this and a whole lot more next time on Question of Faith.